Orsi. The very long and prosperous reign of Jeroboam II was followed by a period of great disaster. On the death of the king in 744 BC, a veritable reign of terror followed as one usurper succeeded the other. Zacharias, Jeroboam's son and successor, was murdered after a reign of only six months by Salem, who was himself, only one month later, slain by Manahem. Manahem ruled the land with an iron hand. By ruthlessly slaughtering all those whose loyalty was suspected, he maintained himself on the throne for nearly six years. He publicly sanctioned idolatry and exacted large sums of money from the people to pay tribute to the king of Assyria, Tiglath-Pileser IV. Manahem's son, Fashia, ruled wickedly for two years, and then he was deposed and slain by Faki from the land of Galad. It was during Fahi's reign that Tiglias Palesta captured Galad in the region of Netali and carried the people captive to Assyria. Fahi was murdered by Osi, whom under, Samaria, under whom Samaria was conquered and the remainder of the ten tribes were taken captive to Assyria. During these terrible and turbulent years, God raised up a great prophet in Israel, Osi, the son of Berai. Osi was a citizen of the northern kingdom. We know nothing of his life aside from what can be gathered from his own prophetic discourses. His familiarity with the intrigues of the rulers and the private lives of the priests makes it probable that he was himself a priest or filled some other high office in the kingdom. He was a witness of the bloody scenes which were enacted after the death of Jeroboam II, and he depicts them in a few bold strokes. They were all heated like an oven, and have devoured their judges. All their kings have fallen. There is none amongst them that calleth unto me. A strange experience marks the beginning of Osei's career as a prophet. At the command of God, he married a profligate wife, Goma, she bore him three children, who received the symbolical names Jezreel, which means God soeth, Loruma, which means without mercy, and Loami, which means not my people, to illustrate the divine purpose towards Israel. The faithfulness of Israel to God, the long-suffering of God, the moral discipline of sorrow and tribulation by which he will yet bring back his erring people, and betroth it to himself forever in righteousness, love and truth, are depicted under the figure of the relationship of a husband to his erring spouse. Behold, I will allure her, and will lead her into the wilderness, and I will speak to her heart, and she shall say, I will go and return to my first husband, because it was better with me then than now. And I will espouse thee to me forever, and I will espouse thee to me in justice and judgment and in mercy and in commiserations. And I will espouse thee to me in faith, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. And it shall come to pass in that day I will hear, saith the Lord, I will hear the heavens, and they shall hear the earth, 
and the earth shall hear the corn, and the wine, and the oil, and these shall hear Jezreel. And I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy on her that was without mercy. And I will say to that which was not my people, Thou art my people, and they shall say, Thou art my God. After the death of Goma, God commands the prophet to win the love of a public sinner, to bring her into his house, to watch over her kindly and patiently, until such time as her repentance will merit for her the high privileges of wife and mother. In this second experience, Ose again recognises a parallel to Jehovah's long-suffering love to Israel and the discipline of affliction by which the people shall be brought back to God. For the children of Israel shall sit many days without king, and without prince, and without sacrifice, and without altar, and without ephod, and without teraphim. And after this the children of Israel shall return, and shall seek the Lord their God, and David their king. And they shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the last days. The first part of Ozzy's prophecy is taken up with the symbolical story of his married life, with which we, have, which we have just mentioned. The second part is a summary of his discourses delivered on various occasions, but all bearing on the religious confusion, the political anarchy, and the social and moral disorders of his age and nation. The broken, nervous, concise, and oftentimes obscure and incoherent sentences of Josie testify to the passion and the sorrow of the writer, torn with conflicting emotions of sympathy with his people in their national disasters and anger at their faithfulness and blindness. In passages of intense bitterness, Ozi, like his contemporary Amos, scourges the vices of the people and their rulers. But with his severest denunciations of vengeance, he blends promises of mercy, and so prominently is this latter quality of his prophecy in evidence that he may justly be styled the prophet of God's loving-kindness. Take this example in form of a dialogue. God says, I will go and return to my place until you are consumed and seek my face. In their affliction they shall rise early to me. And the people answer, Come and let us return to the Lord, for he hath taken us and he will heal, heal us. He will strike and he will cure us. He will revive us after two days, and on the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. His going forth is prepared as the morning light, and he will come to us as the early and the latter rain to the earth. And God answers, What shall I do to thee, Ephraim? What shall I do to thee, Judah? Your piety is as a morning cloud, and as the dew that goeth away in the morning. Therefore have I hewed them by the prophets, I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and thy judgment shall go forth as a light, for I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than holocausts. In a passage of supreme tenderness, God reminds his chosen people of his infinite love for them, a love which must, in the end, triumph over their faithlessness. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and I called my son out of Egypt. I was like a foster father to Abraham. I carried them in my arms, and they knew not that I healed them. I will draw them with the cords of Adam and with the bonds of love, 
and I will be to them as one that taketh off the yoke on their jaws, and I will put his meat to him that he might eat. How shall I deal with thee, O Ephraim? How shall I protect thee, O Israel? How shall I make thee as Adama? Shall I set thee as Seoin? My heart is turned within me, my pity is stirred up. I will not execute the fierceness of my wrath. I will not return to destroy Ephraim, because I am God and not man, the Holy One in the midst of thee. The final victory of divine love will be won when the golden age returns to the world with the coming of the promised day of salvation. I will be as the Jew, Israel shall spring as the lily, and his root shall shoot forth as that of Lebanus. His branches shall spread, and his glory shall be as the olive tree, and his smell as that of Lebanus. They shall be converted that sit under his shadow. They shall live upon wheat, and they shall blossom as a vine. His scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanus. The representation of the relation of God to his people as a marriage bond became a familiar one both in the Old and the New Testament. We find it later in Jeremiah, and it is expanded into a detailed allegory in the Canticle of Canticles. Our Lord himself uses it to depict the intimate relations between, between God and the human soul and between God and the new Israel, the Church. One of the last of the glorious scenes with which the Apocalypse of St. John abounds is the marriage of the Lamb with the New Jerusalem and the blessing pronounced by the angel on those that are bidden to the marriage supper of the Lamb. <laughs> 